We welcome to our pulpit today, Jason Gabery from InterVarsity is the alumni director, and his wife, Sophia, we're so pleased she's with us too. And Sophia works for InterVarsity also. She has Greg Howard's old job. She's the regional director. Wow, a lot of InterVarsity here this morning. And they've got two daughters who are in college, and they've been with InterVarsity over 20 years. And we're delighted to have you, Jason. Please come and share the word with us. join me in prayer. I bow before you, ever-living, sovereign God. You have restored my soul to me in mercy. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. That prayer is a, it's a Jewish prayer called the Moda Ani that prayer that I just prayed, and I, I've been praying it every morning. It's a prayer that's meant to be said when we open our eyes in the morning and take our first breath. And here's why it's been meaningful for me. I need to be reminded that before I do anything, before I read my word, before I go and have a cup of coffee, before I do any good in the world, before I... I offer, before I offer any good work, God's posture towards me is one of love and blessing. And I need to be reminded of that, and perhaps you do too. So I commend you this, this prayer. Uh, bow before you, Lord, because ever-living God, ever-living sovereign, because uh, you have restored my soul to me in your mercy. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your trustworthiness. God is good. Amen. Wow, what an incredible gift to be with you. Jesus said, if anyone gives, a, truly, truly, I tell you, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these, my disciples, they will not lose their reward. And already this morning, we've heard tell of the faithfulness of this community in giving food to children that God loves. Truly, truly, Jesus says to you, you will not lose your reward in, in God. What a gift, what a beautiful, what a blessing to be a part of this community. And what a blessing to be a part of this community as a member, as a part of InterVarsity's ministry. I, um, I confess uh, feeling a little bit like the uh, mule that the Kentucky farmer, three-legged mule that the Kentucky farmer added into the, the Kentucky Derby, which is this great, very elite horse race. Uh, and, and his friends said, do you really think this three-legged mule is going to win? And the farmer said, well, no, but look what great company you'll be in. And here at, at Community Bible Church, I, I am aware that I am I'm here sharing in a church that has uh, boasted not just uh, one president of InterVarsity, but also a vice president, former vice president of InterVarsity, and now deeply connected to an executive vice president of InterVarsity. So look what great company this three-legged mule is able to be in. It's a gift to be with you 
gift to participate in your ministry. Here's my hope for today, that you will grow in confidence in the beauty and power of Jesus and of his good news. And that's what I hope to share with you. I wonder if you've ever had this experience. Have you ever had the experience of really wanting to share your faith with somebody and somehow feeling like you just don't know how? And maybe you've wondered, you know, perhaps you, you have a child or a grandchild and you, you, you really want to pass on your faith to your child or grandchild, but, but you're wondering, is, 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 am I enough? Is it enough? How do, I, how do I do that? Or maybe you have a coworker and you, you recognize that your coworker is beloved of God and yet doesn't have a relationship with God and you want to bear witness to your coworker and you're just not sure, how do I do that? Or, or, maybe, or maybe your neighbor, and you're friendly with your neighbor, and you, you share with your neighbor, and yet your neighbor is, is somebody who doesn't know the love and the righteousness of Jesus. And you, and you wonder, how do, I, how do I share the beauty and the righteousness, the glory of Jesus? It, how, and, and perhaps you've thought of it this way. Uh, this is a, uh, how strong does my faith need to be? before I can share my faith confidently with others. Maybe you've wondered that. Maybe you've wondered how strong, how robust my faith needs to be before I share it with others. In the 26 years I've been a campus ministry in, with InterVarsity, this is one of the number one questions that young people ask. They ask, how strong does my faith need to be before I can go out and share it confidently with others? And, and sometimes they're asking that question because they come, they, they, they are new to faith themselves. Perhaps that's true of your story. Perhaps you are new to your faith and you're, you're just trying to learn all of the, the, the wisdom of the scriptures and all of the ways of, of following Jesus in your own life. And, and so you're not sure that you know enough to be able to, trans, to be able to transmit your faith to other people. Or perhaps you're, you're, they, they ask it because they wonder, oh, you know, our culture is so difficult right now. Our world is so challenging right now. So many people have so many difficult questions, whether it's about politics or human sexuality or race and ethnicity or, or economic realities. And, and, and there's this idea of, well, or science and technology. How do we even talk about faith into a world that's so rapidly changing and things are going? How do I know enough? How do I, how do I grow enough? How do I have enough so that the faith that I have can actually answer and speak to the challenging world that we're in. And so we, we feel that question, don't we? I know I do. We feel that question every day, perhaps. And I have good news. I have good news for us. Uh, notice with me in verse 16 of Matthew 28. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. I want to pause there. And I want us to notice this. How many disciples went to Galilee? Eleven. How many disciples did Jesus have? Why did Jesus have twelve disciples? The tw twelve is the tribes of Israel. Twelve is a good. I love the person who said tw twelve is a good number. Yeah, twelve is a good number. 
12 is the number of the tribes of Israel. And, and in Jesus' time, when Jesus chose 12 disciples, he was, not, he was not just picking any old number. He was symbolically saying, the covenant promises of God are being fulfilled in me, and my people, my disciples, are going to represent God's blessing to the nations and through God's blessing to Israel for the nations through the people of Israel. So 12 is pretty significant. 12 is complete. 12 is, the, is a number that has, that has weight. It has value. It has integrity. How many disciples came to meet Jesus on the mountain? 11. One commentator said it this way. He said, the number 11 limps. The number 11, when we read this part, the number 11 limps because the readers of Matthew's gospel, Matthew written to a Jewish audience, would immediately recognize this number of disciples, this number of apostles is incomplete. It's partial. It's, it's limping to the mountain. I, I, I uh, just turned 50 recently and I went for... I foolishly, well, maybe, I don't know if it's foolish, but I went for a run with my friend Ben, and afterwards, I was limping, because <laughs> I'm getting older, right? The, the, the number of disciples is limping. Let me ask the question again, how strong does our faith need to be before we share it? It can be partial. It can be, it can limp. It could be incomplete. This is the passage of the Great Commission. This is the great calling, commissioning passage in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. It is the rallying cry of missions conventions and missionary service. And yet, the context of this great commission is not a powerful church, full, a powerful, complete, and fully robust Community, it is, a commu it is a partial community, an incomplete community, a community that is aware that it's limping its way towards Jesus. Let's continue reading. Verse 17, when they saw Jesus, when they saw him, that's Jesus, they worshipped, but some doubted. I don't know about you. I read right past that. Cuz I want to get to the I want to get to the go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I want to right? They they see the resurrected Jesus on the mountain in front of them. Jesus gave them a command, go to this mountain. They go to the mountain and when they arrive at the mountain, they see Jesus in his resurrected glory and some of them worship some of them doubt. I wonder about that. What is it like to have doubts when you are seeing the resurrection power of Jesus? You're seeing the resurrected Lord in front of you. And there's a part of me that says, how do you, how do, how do you doubt? And yet, I wonder how many times in my life have I experienced the forgiveness of Jesus? 
only to doubt whether I'll really be accepted. How many times have I seen Jesus work in a, in a young man or a young woman and see them radically transformed by his grace only to doubt that God, that Jesus will, is able to do that kind of transformation with my brother or my sister or those other people that I love? How many times have I seen college students respond to the beauty of Jesus and center their whole lives around him and his word and his people and his purposes only to, to bring fear and anxiety as a parent of my own children sending them off to college? You see, some worship and some doubt. How strong does our faith need to be before we can share our faith in confidence? There's good news, sisters and brothers. The good news is this. Our faith can be partial and limping. Our faith, we can worship and we can doubt. And even in the midst of that, God is at work commissioning us, sending us, and challenging us to make disciples of all nations. This is really, really good news. Now, uh, maybe you're wondering, how is that even going to work? How is, that, how, how is it going to work if we're, if we're doubtful? and we're limping along, and, 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 and our faith is not strong and robust and, and complete in all the ways if we're not the perfect church, and we don't have the perfect testimony, and we're, don't, we're not perfect in all of our ways, and we're in an environment of struggle. How is it going to work? How, is the, how, are our, how are our neighbors and our family going to be transformed? I'm, I want to draw our attention to something. Jesus says in the next verse, verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Everything has been given to Jesus. I... I, I I, I like to reflect on this because we are inclined to diminish Jesus' power sometimes in our, in our American Christian uh, experience or culture. Sometimes we, we diminish. Battery dead. How about I switch to this one? Would it be okay? Yeah. Oh, all right. I'll switch to this one. Um, sometimes we, we diminish our experience, uh, the, the lordship of Jesus. For example, uh, I believe it was Barbara Boyd who, who shared this with a famous pastor in New York City named Tim Keller. But she said to him, she said to him, now imagine that the distance between the earth and the, and the, sun, and the moon, uh, excuse me, the earth and the sun, uh, it's 97 million miles, something like that. She said, imagine that is reduced down to the size of a sheet of paper. It would take a stack of papers between the Earth and the Moon to, to, to model the distance between our Sun and the closest, next closest star. 
stay with me here. If you reduce the, the, the distance between the Earth and the sun to a sheet of paper, it's going to take a stack of papers from here to the moon to get to the, near, to the next closest star. What the Bible says about, G, about the end, we live in a universe with millions and millions of stars. And the Bible says that Jesus holds it all with a single word of his power. How much authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And, and, and so uh, what Barbara Boyd said to Tim Keller is, is this the kind, of, cre is this the kind of, of person that you invite into your life to be your personal assistant? No, Jesus, he is not our personal assistant. He is not someone who simply improves our life or gives us a good religious experience. Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth and holds the cosmos together with a single word of his power, which means his power is sufficient for you. His power is sufficient for your neighbor. His power is sufficient for your workplace. His power is significant, is, is su sufficient for our polarized country. His power is, significant, is su su sufficient for the changes in our culture. I remember the words of Malcolm Muggeridge. He said back in the 80s, he said, we look at history and what do we see? Empires rise and fall. First one nation dominant, then another. He said, he said I, I, I've watched my own countrymen in England, once dominating a quarter of the world, most of them convinced in the words of what was a popular song, the God who made them mighty shall make them mightier yet. A crazed, cracked Austrian proclaimed to the world, I've seen a crazed, cracked Austrian proclaim to the world the establishment of a German Reich that would last a thousand years. An Italian clown decreed that he would change the calendar to coincide with his rise to power. A murderous George and Bringend in the Kremlin, what was espoused by the cultural elite of Europe as, as, more, uh, as wiser than Ahsoka, more humane than Marcus Aurelius, and, and, more, um, and more powerful than, uh, more humane than Julius Aurelius. He said, I've seen the Americans Richer and in terms of military weaponry, uh, more so uh, uh, so advanced that, that if the Americans had so desired, they could have outdone both the Julius Caesar and uh, Alexander in their conquest, all in one lifetime. All in one lifetime. All of them gone. Gone with the wind. And yet out of the props of these discarded civilizations, there stands the mighty and towering figure of Jesus. It is healthy for us to recover and to remember a vision of Jesus, his Lord, his power, his greatness, his authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. So we can limp because it's not about our walk. It's about the authority and beauty of Jesus. We can doubt because it's not our, our intellectual formulations. It is the faithfulness of Jesus that matters. 
Now, some of you are wondering, okay, well, I get it. Maybe uh, we can trust in the power of Jesus. We don't have to be perfect in order to share our faith, but, but how, does it, how is it going to work? How are we going to do it? Now, notice the next thing that Jesus says. He says, uh, in, in, well, excuse me, in verse 20, he says, and remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We can share our faith because Jesus is not only powerful, he is with us. Jesus is not just Lord He is present in his word, by the spirit, in the community of faith. I remember when my daughter was little, she was having a little bit of a spiritual crisis. She was in her room and and, and she was saying, she's like four, and she's like, I I want to see, see," she's crying, you know, I want to see Jesus. And, you know, she was, when, when is Jesus going to come? When is he going to come and play with us, right? And, uh, and she was really distraught uh, about this. And, and, um, and, I re- and I remember, it was a beautiful moment. I remember sitting with her and saying, well, where did Jesus promise he would be? Well, Jesus promised he'd be, he'd be with us when we're together. Two or three are gathered in his name. I, there I will be in the midst of them. Jesus promised he would be in his word. And when we read the words of Jesus, we get to connect to Jesus. Jesus promised he would be in his community as we do the the works that Jesus calls us to do, the good works, the the, the proclamation works, the the good, uh, the charity, the, the good works of service. He was promised to be there. He promised to be in the face of the poor and the needy that we serve in his name. So let's go look for Jesus tomorrow in some of these places and see what we can see together. Church, Jesus is with you, even to the ends of the age, which means he promised to be in his word as you share from his word with your friends, which means he promised to be with your family when you gather in his name and you begin to share about the goodness of Jesus. It means he promised to be it, he promised to be present when we serve those who are vulnerable, when we serve the poor. Let's look for Jesus as we serve him. And let's tr- and, and as we look for him, we will find him. We will see him. We will experience him together. Now, I want to give, I want to, having said all that, I want to draw our attention to Jesus' command. He says, go therefore, because some of you are wondering, okay, all of this is nice, grandiose, it's all up the ladder of abstraction. What do we actually do? (laughs) Here's what Jesus says. He says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. At the at bottom, our invitation, our direction from Jesus, our mission from Jesus is to go and to make a disciple. Go and make a disciple. 
I, going and making a disciple, going and making a disciple is long, slow work, isn't it? Going and making disciples isn't something that we do on a weekend. It isn't something we do on an on a event. Making disciples is inviting people to be with you as you are with Jesus. It's showing people what it looks like to love your enemies. It's showing people what it looks like to live and give generously. It's showing people what it looks like to build relationship across difference because Jesus sends you to the nations. It's what it, it's it's practicing prayerful presence with our neighbors, with our colleagues, with our family until that day when Jesus reveals himself fully. So church, I want to encourage you this morning. Everything I see this morning as a guest tells me that you are making disciples, that you are in the work of looking for and recognizing Jesus as you serve the poor and as you build relationship and as you gather around his word. You are doing this work. So be encouraged. Jesus is enough. Jesus' authority is enough. Be encouraged the work that you are doing, be it small, be it not flashy, be it quiet, is beautiful and powerful in the hands of Jesus. We can be limping and doubting because Jesus is beautiful and grand. May God be glorified in our work.